Welcome to Live from Bar Save, our second episode. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, trolls and the the setting of the Twilight Peaks in Earthdon. Um, most of the source material will be coming from the Crystal Raiders of Bar Save first edition source book. Um, you can actually download that uh, off of fasagames.com. They have it as a PDF. Um, I believe at the time of this recording, I think it's like 12 bucks or so. It's on sale. I think it's usually a little more. Uh, but even at full price, well worth it. This, I've got to say, of all the first edition books I've read, this might be my favorite. It's it's up there. There are a couple others. Um, I think Parlength, as we said last time, is probably my favorite one to play. But this uh, Crystal Raiders book is just so cool just to sit down and read it. Um the one thing that's a little weird about it, and once we're going to be getting into talking about troll culture and uh, how that kind of plays into the way trolls think and what they do, but the one thing that's a little awkward about this book, um, not the book itself, but just the material, trolls are in the Highland Trolls in the Twilight Peaks. They're very protective of their territory and they're very exclusive. So it's, it can be a little difficult to work it into a campaign. You can't just like walk up to the blood lords and say hi. Well, you can. It just It'd would probably be, be one of the last things that you it, say. It would be a very short game. Um, that would be a great way to start out a campaign with brand new players. Just, <laughs> you see a village over the hill. Well, speaking, <laughs> of, speaking of brand new players, we, yes. we, we might have some people that are tuning in for this as their first episode that they're listening to. So maybe we should introduce ourselves. We, we should do that. I always forget that. Um, I always, and when I say always, I know it's our second episode, but I've done several takes where I sounded a lot like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, where he's like, we're going to go to Punxsutawney Phil to see how much more winter we can expect. I've done about seven of those tonight. So, And on most of them, I've forgotten to introduce myself. I am Chad. I'm Rachel. Uh, and this is live from Bar Save. Yes, it is. Uh, we, we were talking, uh, we were driving uh, tonight, and we were talking in the car. We came up with the perfect litmus test. If you ever want to know whether someone's a gamer or not, just ask them, elves and trolls, are they tall or are they short? If they say short, not one of us, just not our people. If they say tall, when can you come over and play some Earth on? You know? I don't care if they have blue, like blue hair. That doesn't mean that they're a gamer. If they think that elves make cookies, they're not allowed to come to my house. You just can't. It's just what not What if right. they bring cookies? They can bring cookies. Then they leave. Leave the cookies. Okay, so... <laughs> yeah, we never have to worry about filling time. We do have to worry about if anyone will listen or not with, to the rambling. Oh, I didn't even tell you this. Okay, you start something like this, and the whole time you're thinking, I don't know if anyone's listening. Who's the one person that you would think would listen no matter what I do? My mom. Okay, right. so I'm talking to my mom on the phone. I'm all excited. I'm like, wow, we're going to start the Earth Done podcast. She knows what Earth Done is because I've talked to her about it, like, you know, for a long time. Um, I don't think she kind of gets, like, why it's cool and why... She doesn't know that... Okay, she would totally fail the, the elf and troll height litmus test. She's not one of us. But she's my mom, so I'm like, she's going to think this is awesome. And I swear, the exact words out of her mouth were... were is this something I'm going to have to listen to? Are you serious? <laughs> <I was> word for word. <laughs> what was so your answer? We, I, I, I told her no. I said, don't worry about it. I wasn't expecting she'd be into this. And she's genuinely, uh, I'm clipping a little bit. Let me turn my mic down. Um, we're still kind of getting the mic settings set up. Uh, last time the mic sounded a little hollow. I think we got a little better set up here. Um, sorry about that. But anyway, yeah, I mean, she's excited for us, and she and she's very supportive of, of what we do. But I just thought that was funny. And I, I swear, we, that quote needs to go on the website, like, big, giant header. Is this something I'm going to have to listen to? Chad's mom. It's word, I didn't make that up. That's word for word. So that's our first review. It is. We got, we got reviewed. <laughs> I like it. So... <laughs> We should count the number of times I say so anyway to get back to what the topic is. So anyway, the topic... Trolls. 
trolls. The topic of this this show, we're going to do probably three parts on the Twilight Peaks and on trolls in general. Um, but this episode, we're going to focus more on general purpose things. We're not going to drill down into the individual clans um, and individual troll moots, uh, which is kind of a grouping of clans coming together. We're not going to go into all that this time. This is going to be more more of a uh, overview of the Twilight Peaks as a setting and the trolls as a culture and and in the, general. Yeah, the trolls in general. Now, one thing to keep in mind that trolls can really kind of vary. Um, this setting, we're going to be talking about Highland trolls, uh, the mountain trolls. Now, they can be pretty different from the lowland trolls. If, if Trolls that were born outside of the Twilight Peaks, and there are some other mountain ranges that are similar. Uh, the Twilight Peaks are the ones that have the most source material about them, but there are other ranges that would have similar practices. Um, trolls that were built, uh, that, built that, were, <laughs> that were born outside of that tend to assimilate more into the regular culture. Um, they're going to be stereotyped in a lot of the same ways, but they don't necessarily think and act the same way as the Highland Trolls do. Um, but most of our focus here is going to be on the Highland Trolls. Um, but just keep in mind that not everything is going to apply equally to, to all of them. But even the, the lowland trolls, this is sort of the roots and where they came from. Um, it's how people are going to stereotype them. And it's also it's still going to be somewhat with them to some extent. Okay, so a few things about trolls in general. They're extremely, uh, extremely focused on honor. And there are three kinds of honor. And Rachel is going to get to pronounce some troll words that I know I will mispronounce. So she's not a GM, she's a player, so if she mispronounces, it's okay. If I, well, if I mispronounce it, then I've let everyone down. As my previous statement about how I deal with trolls, I, I kind of, you know, put that Klingon on them. You know, they're, they're, um, their language is kind of Klingon I do not like. endorse that uh, generalization. Okay. In ways. In ways, when we, I think we of will learn honor. Yeah, we will learn the differences and celebrate our diversity between the Klingon and the troll culture. But I, I don't like the way you're <laughs> grappling my rare uh, first edition I'm, I'm book I'm holding there. it in one hand. Well, it's not really that rare, but I own one of them. That makes it rare. Rare to, to you. Me. Okay, so there's three types of honor. Um, Kator is the personal honor. Katral, clan honor, and Katera, which is the car they drive in the Twilight Peaks made by Okay. I don't endorse that. No, either. okay. No. It's uh, racial honor. Troll racial honor. Yes. Right. So basically their, their personal honor, the honor of their particular tribe, or it could be on a larger scale. There could be a tribe, um, a clan, or multiple clans coming together. It's called a troll moot, or a lot of times just uh, shortened to moot. Um, so that would be their particular uh, particular sect of the trolls that they're from if they're offended they feel like they've got to defend that honor or troll honor in general and this could be uh you know sort of conduct unbecoming a troll um you know like if a troll is acting in a way that they feel uh reflects poorly on all trolls they're going to kind of have to call call the other troll on that possibly even to the point of fighting to the death uh, now the difficult thing this can make interact interactions with the trolls difficult for them with other cultures because you you see these stereotypes even in a lot of the earth on source material it'll talk about trolls being you know just hot-headed and and savage and everything and that's sort of the external appearance of what they look like if you don't understand the inner workings of how they think and what the roots are um <clears throat> So this can actually lead to some big misunderstandings, which can be some fun role-playing situations. Uh, but as you'll see coming up here, it actually, this is part of what played into it. The biggest tragedy uh, that the trolls have ever faced um, with the, the Therans attacking them. Um, that Some of the cultural, uh, to some extent, it was a cultural clash and a misunderstanding between the two that, uh, that sort of led to that. We'll get into that a little more. Um, the other thing to know about trolls, you would think that with them raiding uh, and pillaging, they can be just written off as they're just petty thugs, they're just thieves. 
Um, but they're actually deeply spiritual. Um, they have, uh, okay, I won't make you say this one. They have a concept called Ja'arak, which is sort of like a oneness that they feel when they're fulfilling their deepest purpose. So uh, the examples in the book are a Sky Raider that's maybe uh, flying an airship through an intense storm or a Sky Raider in the heat of battle feels this uh, this this sense of Jakarak, which is a this just overwhelming sense of fulfilling their purpose. Um, the thing is that they almost never talk about it, even among other trolls, even in their own setting. So they sort of come off as just these dull, um, mindless thugs, but they're actually actually have a lot of depth to them. So that can be kind of an interesting way to play your troll characters as sort of like double sided. They can they can have uh, you know layers. Trolls have layers. They do have layers, <laughs> like a parfait. <laughs> uh, okay, so. But that's see. really cool. The um, the. The troll that I play and, and what how we springboarded into that was we used these particular things as guiding principles of, of how to play the character. And the more that I played it, the more fleshed out the character actually became and became more, you know, kind of real. You know, as we mentioned in the last episode, we we're playing a probably going to be pretty short lived Age of Legend campaign in the Twilight Peach, where all of the characters are blood lore trolls, which is the most vicious of the, uh, of the troll moots. Um, but it's kind of interesting. You're, instead of just making a troll character and then trying to figure out how to inject the role playing into it as you're doing normal Earth on stuff, having one in, entirely set in that setting is letting you kind of like get into that more organically. It and is. It, and it, it lets you understand the you know the troll culture within earth on more yeah and and i think uh as we mentioned before one of the reasons we wanted to start with talking about the races is that something can help gms and players even if no one at your table is playing a troll you're going to have npcs that are all different races so that could be a way to kind of you know kind of get a little more depth into the game yeah, and the the trolls, when I first started playing Earthdawn, I had the same kind of opinion that the, the stereotype, the stereotype, you know, and <laughs> of course, some of the you can, I mean, you can play the stereotype. It's kind of strange, but stereotypes really can work very well in role playing games. Mm-hmm. You know, not every character has to be some like completely. Uh, completely against the grain kind of thing that's different. That can be fun, but you know what actually did that really well? Um, I wouldn't say on the whole it was a great movie, but the Dungeons and Dragons movie it came out, I don't know, 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago. I don't know exactly, but it was a long time ago. It, it was a while ago, but all the characters, if you didn't know it was Dungeons and Dragons, you just watch it, you go, these are just bad characters. They're really flimsy, two dimensional. I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's how a lot of times. You know, it shouldn't be that way, but that's how a lot of times it ends up in right. D&D. And, or not just D&D, but any RPGs, kind of tabletop yeah. RPG. Um, it's easy to fall into that. And what was funny was there was one guy that didn't fit the setting at all. He was just like really goofy and like didn't, he didn't at all seem D&D. And there's always a player at your table that's like super serious into role playing, like in the setting. You got someone else that's just doing crazy, wacky stuff. And I always love that, that it's, it's always, it seems to always go that way. Well, you love it because it's not you that has to go into a burning building because your brother set it on fire and nearly killed your guy. See, if you're gonna, I've learned this from experience. If you're gonna play an RPG with your brother, make sure you are the game master. Then you can punish them. <laughs> There's a reason you don't like sit on the same side of the table with your brother. <laughs> Lesson learned, okay. All right. So, in the in the uh, in the source book, um, there there are several different legends that are troll legends that I decided I'd pick a couple of them out. There are, there are more in there, but there are two in particular that I think are really kind of kind of ground the uh, experience of what it is to be a troll and where they come from. Um, the first is the gift of Jaspery. Now, Jaspery is one of the passions, which is a, a godlike figure 
that represents a particular virtue or set of virtues uh, in Earth, Dawn, and Jaspery is the passion of nature. Um, so this this uh, this troll legend, it's about Jaspery and Thestonius, who is the passion of physical uh, physical combat, physical struggle, and uh, sort of like competition and uh, striving for things. That that's what Thestonius is. So as the legend goes. Uh, the mountains, the Twilight Peaks, were a very prosperous area. It was green and lush, and life was really easy. Uh, just everything grew there nicely. It was just, it was just a nice, comfortable, easygoing place to live. And they gave the trolls a lot of free time, and uh, and you know they just they didn't have to think too much about where their next meal was coming from and how they were going to make it because they just lived in this bountiful area. Well, the trolls. Uh, they honored Thestonius very highly, and I don't know if I'm saying Thestonius is how I've always said it, but uh, again, I'm sure someone will correct you. I'm, if I'm you're sure I will be corrected if, if needed. Uh, but Thestonius was was their top passion that they honored mostly, and this is common in, in Earthon. Um, generally, people will kind of pick one or maybe two passions to sort of elevate above the rest. So that's it's not unusual they're doing that. But Thestonius was the one they kind of gravitated to. And uh, Jaspery asked his Thestonius's brother. They said, "You know, why do the why do these trolls love you more than they love me?" And he said, "Well, I don't know. Let's go ask him." So they took on the form of trolls. Jaspery was sort of a smaller, younger troll, uh, carrying a basket of fruit and I believe it was wildflowers. Basically, a, a basket to represent the bounty of nature that he was bringing to them. And Thestonius. Uh, made himself look like a very large troll with uh, the book says arms like tree trunks. And uh, the trolls came up to him and said, oh, the one who was Thessonius, they said, you need to come uh, be a part of our games. They did these almost like the Olympic games, all these, these uh, you know, with wrestling and various physical competitions. They said, oh, you know, come, come be a part of this. You look like you would, you would uh, be into this. And Jasper, said, well, what about this? I brought you this gift of this fruit. And they said, Oh, that, that can wait. You know, nature's always there, but come on, let's go, uh, let's go do this competition. And then, uh, Jasper revealed who he was and he said, you know, you've, re- you've rejected the gift I gave you and you're, you're honoring Thestonius over me. And he said, well, here's my gift to you. You will struggle to survive and to keep what's yours uh, you know, keep it from being taken from you. And he cursed the mountains so that now it's it's the most, one of the most forbidding places to try to live. It's, it's very difficult to get anything to grow. There's very little there to sustain them. And they have to really fight for every little scrap to try to survive. And, uh, and it's kind of interesting because the trolls took that and they saw that, you know, he said, this is my gift to you. The trolls took that very literally they said, oh, it's a gift that now we get to struggle and that keeps us from being, you know, struggling for our survival, keeps us from growing soft like all the lowlanders, you know, that just have everything handed to them. We get to struggle so we don't take this for granted. Um, and uh, it's, it's just a kind of a deeply rooted part of their culture is they can only, it's all based around struggling. And a couple of things that sort of flow out of that um, they that's why they don't see raiding as theft they don't see it as theft they are giving a gift to the the people they're raiding they're giving them the gift of the opportunity to prove that they are superior in combat and and to defend what's theirs and to not be you know soft and just have everything given to them so they're giving them the opportunity to prove how worthy they are um so they don't consider that theft at all. And the lowlander, even some of the lowland trolls will say, oh, or, you know, especially the other races, they'll say, oh, those highland trolls, they're just, you know, they're, uh, they're just stealing from people and they're just immoral. They see this as highly moral. This is part of their, their moral system. Part is of based their purpose. Struggle. So mm-hmm. what do you think about that? It's kind of interesting. Isn't it? I think it's really cool because, um, so much of the world of Earth Dawn and in lots of other um, fantasy and sci-fi um, universes um, are a reflection 
of, of things that we could be. And I think it's really cool that they take something that could be considered a hardship and they kind of turn it on its head and make it into something positive. Now, whether or not that was done in, um, kind of ignorance by taking the guy literally or whether they decided because of their constitutional, you know, their makeup of we're going to embrace this struggle, um, and, and still call it a gift, you know, that I, I don't know however it was intended, but I think it's pretty cool because, you know, more of us should be like that in real life, you know, to see struggles and see things and, and, and failures, not as horrible things, but as opportunities. It, what's kind of cool too, is that the source book leaves it a little bit up in the air. Did Jasper really mean that or not? And there's actually a, uh, what they consider a sect of heretics uh, within the Twilight Peaks. They're, uh, they're called the Forgiven of Jaspery. And what they see it entirely the other way, they see it as not a gift, but as a curse. And that they think that what they need to do is seek the forgiveness of Jaspery so that he will bless, uh, bless the Twilight Peaks and it can go back to being prosperous. Well, the other trolls see that as just blasphemous and um, actually to the point of where they're, they're in hiding and they're seeking them out and trying to kill them. And the, the source book doesn't take sides and say this one's the correct interpretation, that one's not. Um, so it's kind of this clash within the culture, but the uh, by and large, the, the Highland trolls see it as a gift and they, they highly value struggle. Um, so some of, okay, say a... Uh, Say a, a fight breaks out because a troll was offended at something that happened. You know, that's not an uncommon thing to happen in a tavern in Earthon. But a troll is especially more invested in defending their honor. Um, in some cases, the troll may not even be seeing that. No, it, okay, if their honor was really... I, I guess I misspoke there. If their honor was really stomped all over, they're, they're going to respond to that. But in some cases, a troll might even... Um, you know, might even get into some kind of conflict just as sort of a way, a good-spirited way of, uh, you know, hey, here's a struggle. I like struggle. That's what we're all about. Let's do it. And you might even see, like, a way you could kind of work in some role-playing with that. You might even see this big, what looks like a terrible fight with a troll, and right afterwards they're, you know, hugging each other and uh, ordering some more ale and their buddies. That's not an uncommon thing, and that's I, I can't remember where that was somewhere in somewhere in one of the source books. That was an example. It was sort of like a a first person account of somebody witnessing a troll fight. I believe it was. Uh, I think that was maybe in Denison's too. I'm not. Positive. I'm just over here grinning because it's Klingons all over the place. <laughs> See, I that doesn't sound entirely. I know you're kind of right. It doesn't sound entirely right, but I. If I try to dispute that, you're just going to shoot down my my lack of, of Trek cred. I just don't have it. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to just uh, we'll leave that we'll leave that up to the the listeners. So like the the traditional not my mom because she's not listening. But the yeah. traditional Klingons are like the Highland trolls and the and the 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 ones that are seeking Jasper's forgiveness is like Worf basically. Um, That's a, exactly what I would have said if I knew No, but that. not exactly like Worf. But yeah, in, in, I no in, idea. I'm thinking of the, the episode where everyone is uh, everyone is in the, the Klingon pub and they're drinking even though they just had this big Let's battle. Let's just leave it as Star Wars is better. <laughs> Actually, Did you I, say that on purpose? <laughs> I, no, I'm saying Star Wars is better than Star Trek. Let's oh. just leave it at that. Oh, okay. And see if... See if that generates some emails. I, uh, to be to be perfectly clear, I have no position, <laughs> and that's not what I want to get into. I I just would like to get an email from someone. It'd be cool to know that someone heard this since my mom's not listening. <laughs> we both love Star Wars and Star Trek, so just I'm putting that out there. <laughs> All right, you've got me so far off of my little. Uh, Evernote outline here. Oh, it's it's your job to bring it back. It's my job okay. to derail it. Because I'm so. the GM. I gotta keep everybody in line. <laughs> okay. So the other uh, the other troll red legend that I, I thought was pretty interesting, since airships are obviously a very integral part of especially the Highland trolls 
Um, it's, it's a big part of their culture. There's a legend about where the first uh, troll Drakkar airship came from. Uh, there is a, a troll named Neymar, and he was of the Rockfall clan. Now, I'm not positive, but I don't think they're mentioned anywhere else in the source book. Now, this was way pre-Scourge, so I guess the Rockfalls either maybe melded into a different one or died out or something. I don't, I don't believe they're mentioned anywhere post-Scourge. Um, but anyway, Neymar of the Rockfall clan... He was banished to an area called the Ashen Hills of the Southern Face. Um, it's a, the southern slope of the Twilight Peaks that faces uh, Death Sea, which is a sea full of lava instead of water. Um, we'll be talking about this area a little more. Probably our next podcast, we're going to kind of drill down into some of the individual areas of the Twilight Peaks. Uh, but anyway, he was banished out of his troll moot. Because he said that the passion, uh, and I know I'm getting this one wrong. I've always said Upandal, uh, U-P-A-N-D-A-L. I don't know if it's Upandal, Upandal. I'm going to say Upandal, which is probably wrong. Uh, the passion Upandal was superior. I just said it a different way just now. Passion Upandal, he said that he was superior to Thestonius, uh, the passion of physical struggle. And he was exiled for saying that. So he's wandering around in exile, um, and the Passion Yapandal uh, approached him and filled him with this great uh, feeling of inspiration, and he caused this, this earthquake. And in the uh, course of the earthquake, these, old, these ancient ruins and structures were uncovered, and he walked inside and he saw an airship, a wooden airship, fully constructed, full, you know, perfect shape was there from some ancient people that were in the area. And this was a gift from Yupandal. And Neymar gets onto the airship and he flies back to his troll moot and said and says, this is a gift from Yupandal. And the trolls, uh, they were so impressed by that and just in awe of what they were seeing, they, uh, they gained a lot of respect for Yupandal. So he's one of the higher, um, higher passions in their view from now on. And uh, there's actually an interesting, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, I'm trying to be really careful with spoilers here, which is difficult because we have, we're going to have some players and some GMs listening. But there's an interesting um, adventure framework idea for GMs in the, in the uh, Twilight Peak source book. Uh, so that's definitely check that out. That, uh, that's one I plan on doing at some point. And that's in the Crystal Raiders book? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I said it wrong. Yeah, Crystal Raiders of Bar Save is the actual name of the book. Um, that's a first edition book, but it, it, it works fine with fourth edition. Uh, probably no changes really needed. Um, you know, a lot of it is the, the Twilight Peaks are kind of, they're so isolated that for they, there have been a few places where they've intersected Bar Save's history. Um, some of that is in the GM book of fourth edition, but to a large extent, the twi- they live mostly like they always have. Uh, so you can read the first edition book and it's, it's going to jive pretty well with, uh, with what's there in the fourth. Um, okay. So probably the most important pivotal part of where the twilight peaks and the troll culture mesh with the rest of bar safe, uh, was in the Orichalcum wars and the battle of sky point. Uh, basically, if you're not familiar with Orichalcum, it is a it's a magical element. In Earth Dawn, there are five they call them true elements. Uh, there's water, fire, earth, air, and wood. And when the five of those combine in just exactly the right way in the right proportions, it produces a magical metal called Orichalcum. Uh, and it's very very valuable. It's used for all kinds of magical purposes. But Thera, in particular, was buying this stuff up like crazy uh, right before the Scourge because it was needed in the construction of Cares and for all kinds of other magical projects that they had going on. Uh, they were buying it, and for a while, Bar Save didn't kind of get its full value. Uh, there, there were people from all over Bar Save that were just selling this stuff to the Therans. Um, well, the richest source... Uh, of Orichalcum and and a lot of other true elements on all of our save, where would that be, Rachel? The richest source of Orichalcum. I don't throw. I don't know. Uh, there's a book sitting about one foot away from you. Um, the 
The Twilight Peaks. The Twilight Peaks. <laughs> Very good. The questions just get harder from here on Oh, in. I'm in trouble. <laughs> uh, the Twilight Peaks were the, the greatest source of this in all of Barsave. But the trolls didn't see any value in it. Um, back to talking about their honor, they they see great value in raiding to to claim the things that they need to get food, to get you know materials that they can build things out of, things like that. They will raid uh, lowlands um, lowland settlements, and they'll also raid each other like crazy. Um, they see a great value in that. What they don't do, they don't respect trade. They think that trading is sort of a wimpy, underhanded kind of way. You know, instead of fighting for something like you really should, you're uh, tricking someone with words to try to negotiate a better deal. That's so not an honorable way to do things. there's never a troll arts and crafts bazaar? Uh, well, actually, if you're talking about artisan skills, that's a whole different thing. Well, no, like where they, you know, have a table set up and, you know. Well, lowland <laughs> trolls. No, there, there are trolls that engage in trade. Okay. Lowland trolls... Now, some of them will probably carry some of this with them, but they're more assimilated into the rest of Barsave. You know, the, the, the racial differences, you know, a lot of it comes from spending centuries underground in the Scourge. The vast majority um, of the carers were all different races together, so, so they kind of learned to work together. Well, the Twilight Peaks weren't really like that. There's one case where they... Uh, combined with some dwarves, we'll talk about that a little more next time. But in general, they were all trolls. So their ways before Scourge and after didn't change that much. Um, so they don't see trade as being all that... It's not honorable because it's not combat. Uh, the currency so, is their muscle, basically. You know, they take what they what they need and, you know... Yeah, they, they see great honor in, in getting what they need. But they don't typically go get something they don't need and then trade it for something else. Uh, that was typically not done. Um, they made an exception later. But basically what happened was they were sitting right on top of this stockpile of Orichalcum. The Therans are buying up like crazy. Uh, so the Therans, the, I'm sorry, not the Therans, but some of the other people in the surrounding areas would go in and try to buy this stuff, try to work out it. First, I think they started trying to get an agreement. Hey, can we just come in and mine this? And then they tried to buy it, and that didn't work. They tried to steal it. Trolls probably on some level like that, because, hey, look, they're trying to... T- <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's defend what's ours, even though we don't want it. It's a chance to show our superiority. Um, so basically, what happened was they, you know, they, they were sitting on the stockpile... And uh, the Therans were buying it, but they nobody could get it. Well, that so what happened was the other places in Barsave were mining this. Where you know it's not the only place to get it. They were mining it and sending shipments. Well, some of the trolls got the idea. Well, if it's that valuable, maybe we should raid it. We should raid these airships and that are going back and forth. Uh, but that sort of clashed with their idea of honor, right? Because it's it's you don't steal something you don't need. You steal what you survive. What you need to survive. And the way they kind of justified it was, okay, we're going to steal what we don't need and then ransom it back to the Therans, okay? And the Therans paying us the ransom is them admitting that we bested them in combat. That's honorable. Hmm. That's an interesting take on it. Yeah, it's sort of a... um, There are a couple places where the troll honor would bind them so, so strongly to something that's a bad idea that they had to find a way around it, but to keep the concept intact. Um, we'll talk about this a little more next time, but there's a, uh, a right of challenging the leader of the troll moot. Uh, they would fight to the death. <laughs> Basically, they would fight to the death. Well, the problem is that if you, on a regular basis, have your strongest warriors fighting to the death, you're just weakening your force overall. So they had to kind of make a loophole where you could bow out without losing your honor. Like you right. could, you know, so there are all these like technicalities that let them do that. And I bet their mortality rate. It, it, it allowed them, someone who tries to challenge and loses doesn't have to, that doesn't have to thin out the warriors from the moot. And strangely enough, they don't have any sort of bad feelings if they lose or. Well, I mean, they probably still have some technically, no, they're still part of, of the troll moot, but. 
you guys actually saw this in the Age of Legend game we're playing. Right, that's what I was thinking where the captain... He's got some bad feelings. Right. He's supposed to kind of... He's still one of us and we're cool, but... <laughs> yeah, he didn't take it well. He's he's actually a character. His name's Pro, uh, Prokowav. He's a character uh, in the Blood Lords and he's mentioned in the source book. Um, so, I'm sorry, I got a little off track. Where were we there? Okay, so the... Uh, so the trolls got this idea. We're gonna steal the Orichalcum um, shipments, ransom it back, to, ransom it back to the Therans because we don't really want it anyway. They can give us stuff we need. They can give us food and supplies and things we can use. But what they really want is they want the honor of the Therans saying, "Oh, you're right. You're better than us. Here, here's a payment," and that formalizes this idea that you beat us. Um, the Therans don't really operate like that. Um, they were not big fans of getting raided. Uh, they sent a couple of warnings that said, give us our stuff back. The trolls responded by upping it and attacking more. And what's interesting, the rest of Bar Save, they weren't attacking only Theron. Okay, they, these are mostly other... Um, some of them were the Therans moving stuff around. But these were other um, other areas in Bar Save that were moving things. So the dwarves have shipments going to the Therans. Uh, Bloodwood had shipments and, you know, just all the different areas were all shipping as much as they could. Well, you'd think they would kind of band together to fight the trolls to protect their shipments, right? That would make sense. Well, they didn't. They said, that's a good idea. Let's follow suit. Let's, this stuff's valuable. If we were the sole provider to Thera, we would be extremely rich. So they, they started raiding. So all of Barsave was just raiding this stuff like crazy. And it led to what was called the Orichalcum Wars. They're fighting each other, and it was, it was this major war over trying to control the supply, being able to become the sole supplier uh, to provide the Orichalcum to the Therans. Which is kind of funny, because the trolls didn't even want it to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even value it. They couldn't eat it, and they couldn't make a house out of it. So who needs it, you know? Um, but this sparked a major, major escalating conflict, and... The troll's idea of honor really sort of led to a tragic situation because when Thera said, stop raiding us, this is your last warning, the trolls go, yes, an it's, it's escalated an opportunity for even more glory when we overcome them. Well, Thera wasn't messing around. They sent, they sent a city-sized airship. And it flew over top of the Twilight Peaks. There's an area right where you guys are playing in our Age of Legend game called the Great Sword Valley. And it's in the western part of the Twilight Peaks. They just absolutely obliterated the settlements. Uh, just destroyed homes with magical fire. Uh, you know, fire, magical uh, bolts of magic. Any kind of spell, any kind of weapon just rained down destruction on this whole area. And just completely, almost wiped out the all of almost entirely wiped out the western troll moots um even after the scourge they are kind of tactically a little weaker than some of the other ones like centuries later it just damaged them so heavily and not to mention the biggest thing is it damaged their honor like they mm -hmm. were they're just trying to be trolls and doing what trolls do and it was just a devastating blow to them they had no choice but to surrender and the leaders of the, the Western troll moves went back to Thera as slaves. Um, that's, you know, mentioning, uh, mentioning slaves, this is kind of an interesting, another little way that looks like um, from the outside, kind of looks like a conflict in what the trolls do. They have a, um, they have a practice of taking what they call nuots, which are basically, it's someone who was defeated in battle that they take back as a captive who lives with them and is um, is forced to live with them, but they can uh, regain their status. They can regain. They can earn their freedom by proving themselves worthy. Sometimes they'll even go on raids. Um, and it, that's any race, any any person of any. It can be just about any race. Um, they typically don't do to scrangs because they don't survive well. Um, they just, they don't acclimate well to the climate. They, they need to swim a lot and it's just, they had a lot of them dying and they didn't want, they didn't want them to die. Um, they basically, they saw this as a way of honoring them. If, if I thought you didn't fight honorably, I would have just killed you. 
Uh, but you fought so well, you have the honor of coming to live with us. And what greater honor? <laughs> but what's interesting, and it is different than the Theron idea of slavery, where they just buy someone and they own them, um, which the trolls hate. They hate the Therans, and that's one of the reasons why. They think slavery is despicable, but they and they don't see any parallel to the practice of taking nuots. Uh, but the Nuats can actually gain full status, and some of them, when they do, will actually choose to live as a part of the troll moot. And they are a full-fledged member, even though they're not trolls, um, full-fledged member of the troll moot at that point, if, if they choose to be. Or they can leave. They, they, can, can, they have their freedom at that they point. They have their freedom, they can leave. Um, there's no set like set amount of time or a particular thing that they do, but they just basically have to prove themselves worthy. Um, and in many cases, they'll go on raids with them. They'll become sky raiders and and go or or apply if they were if they were adepts, they could apply whatever discipline they already uh, already followed. And just for the good of the trollment, when they they prove themselves worthy, uh, they can they can go on and do something else, or they can just stay on as a full fledged member. Something um, comes to mind. I'm I'm wondering um, how did the trolls justify the surrender going back to the Therans and then becoming their slaves as that's um that's mentioned in the book and i it's a little rusty i I read it a while ago i believe they justified it as a way of i'm doing what it takes to defend my people i'm I'm making you're sacrificing for them i I think that's kind of how they did it but on probably a more practical level what choice did they have more destruction. Right. Um, but what's really interesting, um, this will play out a little more in, in our Blood Lords game. Uh, okay, this was the ultimate affront to troll racial honor, right? I mean, just obliterating almost a third of the Twilight Peaks. Right. Was just a terrible, you know, that needs avenged. Well, they they did their best. When they, they went out in their Drakars and they were fighting and they they were fighting this airship. It's made out of stone. It's as big as a city. A Drakkar is like, it holds about a dozen to maybe 15 or so people, and you know, trolls. And they uh, they were going out and just crushing themselves trying to fight this thing, even though it was hopeless. They were doing that for honor. Well, after the surrender, um, you know, even a- after the, scur- the surrender and after the scourge and everything, they... There's still factions there that say we should just go head head first and attack the Therans just all on assault, which would just basically be the end of of the Twilight Peaks trolls. They'd be they would just come and finish the job. But there are some factions in there, uh, and Prokhorov of the Blood Lords is one of these that would say we just need to do that anyway, even if it means the death of every single troll here. It's for honor, and, and that's we're taking more Therans important. with us. And so there's kind of this balance of you've got to, you know, you can't step down and soften that position, right? Because you, you have to defend racial honor. It's like it's so deeply ingrained and that's that's what we are. But that's kind of crazy to take it to that extreme because yeah. it's going to mean terrible consequences and the trolls can't just can't just win. Now, they um, I'll admit I'm a little I've not got up to speed with uh, first edition. I've had or fourth edition. I've had it less than a week. Um, the trolls played a major part in fighting the Therans and kind of ousting them from bar save. So some of what I'm saying here is a little more first edition, but it's still I think it's still mostly relevant. But some of this will need to be adapted a little bit for fourth. And that's just so interesting. You know, you said that earlier that the trolls were just being trolls and the Therans were kind of just being Therans and it just neither one understood the other. And that's what happened. Yeah. I think the, the trolls just really misread the situation. They're doing what they do and the Therans weren't messing around. <laughs> they see the, they'd been doing this like ransom thing here and there. It wasn't a major thing. They'd usually just steal what they need. They would even raid a lowland settlement that had, you know, a lot of other things of value, and they just leave it. Like we we don't need that. We're gonna take your food. We're gonna gonna take this. You take and, the wood. Yeah, yeah and take and, whatever we can use. And that's that that's something that's also reflective of their honor. Is like you 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 told you told us that they would go and they would have certain villages that they would raid, but they wouldn't completely 
decimate it because they didn't want the people to move away. Right. And that I don't know if that may have something to do with their honor. I think that's more of a practical thing. If They knew that if they... Okay, right around the base of the Twilight Peaks, some of that area is some of the most rich farmland in all of Barsave. It's a really good place to live and to have settlements. But if they just raided them mercilessly, no one would live there. They would right. just leave. They would leave. They don't want to destroy a settlement. And the same, they're smart enough when they're raiding other troll moots too. They're not trying to wipe out the other one. Right. Um, they're, they're sometimes, they'll talk about that. And there's some, there's some pressure with some of them. Like this clan needs to fight that clan more intensely. But they're, they're pretty smart enough to know where to draw that line. Um, but yeah, with the, with the lowland settlements, they don't want to just, they don't want to wipe them out, either just totally destroy them or beat them so badly that they would be out of their mind to stay there. So they raid them just enough to get, to get by. And then they sort of let them go for a while. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It is interesting. Well, we're, uh, we're coming up on 45 minutes, actually a little over 45 minutes here. We're, we're not really shooting for like a hard, hard edged time limit on these. We're kind of thinking 45 to an hour ish. That may change as we go. Uh, but I think we're about to start winding down here. Well, you know, always have to mention, you can reach us, um, email, uh, I'm Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L at lavamonkeygames.com and you can reach Chad, uh, Chad at lavamonkeygames.com oh, We didn't do, really do our shameless plug for our own self-interest, did we? Well, no, we didn't. Okay, shameless plug time, go for shameless it. Shameless plug time, okay. Um, we're here because we love Earth Dawn, but also, you know, we have a game company and we'd appreciate it if you would uh, check us out. Uh, we've got some videos on YouTube that are a trailer for our app that just became available um, earlier in 2016. It's called Flibits, F-L-I-B-I-T-Z. It's a puzzle game that has a great soundtrack that everything that you see in here, um, Chad or myself or our children <laughs> did it. We, we um, had a, a MIDI per, uh, percussion controller and, uh, you know, ironically, we have one drummer in the family. It's Rachel and she did not drum on, I don't think you played any drums. I this. did not. I am not a drummer, and I am, I'm not just not a drummer. I'm, like, not a drummer. Like, really not. Um, I did all the drums, except I let our kids help, our uh, eight-year-olds, two, two eight-year-olds. We just banged like crazy on this percussion controller, and then I edited and moved notes around, and, uh, you know, I understand music theory and chords and what works. It was actually a marimba part, um, so I edited that to uh to make it fit some kind of musical structure and it turned out pretty cool and i, I play guitar and, and some other stuff on, but on but check out our uh trailer for it it's on youtube we have a channel lava monkey games and um we would also love it if you check out our app it's available on the app store it's available for ipad ipad pro and ipad mini and uh the game uh, is called not not iphone so if you're gonna search it you need to search on an ipad Correct. Or it won't show up. If you search on a phone, it doesn't show up. Or on iTunes. You can find yeah. it on yeah. the iTunes uh, app on your computer, and then it'll download onto your iPad. And the game is called Flibits. Again, it's F-L-I-B-I-T-Z. Also, you can follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm at Lava Monkey Games. And I am at Chad Lair, C-H-A-D-L-A-R-E. And I'm of a certain age, so I feel compelled to say all run together. Of a certain age. Uh, of a certain age, yes. Nice. Um, because, you know, there might be spaces in there. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, all run together. All run together. Oh, actually, you know what, though? Uh, I'm not as dated as Earth Dawn. If you look in some of the first edition books, it says you can find us on the internet. And it's I-N-T-E-R and then capital N. It's like internet. That was five seconds that I don't ever remember. And it was also, uh, it was also, here's our AOL screen name, but don't put us on any mailing groups or something. I, I don't even, it was some kind of AOL speak that I didn't do. Yeah, AOL. Those were not the days. 
Anyway, um, but we just appreciate you know the support. Send us a, uh, an email, hit us up on Twitter, give us a like on uh, on YouTube. Um, we're just doing this because we love the game and also, it's fun. Um, also, I've got a blog. Um, I have not been real dedicated about doing it on a regular basis. I believe that will be my New Year's resolution, which means up through and including February, I will be blogging. <laughs> Probably starting February and including February. But it's mostly about game development. Um, I've got some stuff on there about the process of making flibbits. And uh, come to think of it, my last one says I'm working hard and I and it's not out yet. And that was like a while ago. And I should, before I should the probably game was do released. an it's done right. post, which I haven't done yet. And I'd just like to remind everyone that we are not affiliated with FASA. Um, they as have much not. As we'd like to be, they're right. pretty cool. They have not approved this message, um, <laughs> but we would like to give a shout out to Josh Harrison and you know for all of his support and encouragement in getting this podcast going. Um, one final thing, I really want to encourage everyone: uh, go to fasagames.com and buy some stuff. Just any, you pick a book at random; they're all awesome. And I own every single first edition book there is, except the novels. I I have Longing Ring. Uh, on PDF, which you can get the novels from from Fasta Games also. Um, I'm reading The Longing Ring. I may have to add those to my collection, but I have every first edition source book, and they're excellent, and I just got my hands on the fourth edition rule books. Um, definitely support them, and you can buy the older stuff, PDF, the newer stuff. Uh, fourth edition, you can get PDF uh, or the print books or a bundle. Um and it's just it's, the bundle's the way to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's it's just great bang for your buck. If you think about the hours we spent playing Earth on, man, like a movie ticket does not go anywhere near that far. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't. And it's good stuff. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, next time we'll be talking some more about the Twilight Peaks and about the trolls, and we'll be going a little more in detail about the particular clans. Uh, particular troll moots and some of the individual characters and uh, this was sort of an overview we'll be sort of drilling down into some of the some of the particulars next time and then loose plan for the following episode after that we'll be talking about airships and how to work them into your campaigns that should be a good one um, I think it'll probably be a catch-all of whatever other troll stuff we didn't get done I um, probably won't be a whole episode in airships but um, we've been using airships in our campaign and I want to kind of uh, kind of give some tips of what we found that worked and didn't work. Um, I've done it. I've done airships a couple times over the years and certain approaches have been better than others. Um, the, uh, the crystal Raiders of bar save book has a lot of detail on airships to rules and backstory stuff. So definitely check that out. Well, uh, thanks for listening and we will see you next time. See ya.